Welcome to How to Build a Tent. My name is Matt Williams. This show is not about tent building. It's not about really podcasting either, but it's about how to make you successful. You would think after over 200 shows, I'd have that down like flawlessly, but nope, I still have my brain go in a thousand different directions, and there's just sometimes no reining it in. Thank you for listening to the show, sharing the show with a friend, tagging people, sharing the content that we share on our social media sites. If you're not a subscriber, please just go do that. It's in the show notes. You can look it up, how to build a tent on all the stuff, except Snapchat. Not on Snapchat. Not going to go play that game. We are on Minds. I really highly recommend that if you haven't checked out Minds yet. Thank you for everybody who's given me tokens. I'm still trying to figure out how to use those. Who knows? Just like I'm trying to figure out how to put my son to sleep. Man, he seems like some days like he's so tired and you put him down and he is wide awake and he throws a fit. And then there's other times where he seems so awake but he's so tired. Like luckily tonight was a night where he went down pretty easily so I'm very thankful about that. Today I did an interesting experience. I've never lived in a place before that had public tennis courts that you couldn't just go play but you have to have like a membership and you have to play with people that have memberships. And if you don't have a membership, you have to pay like five bucks to play. And I was talking with the guy trying to figure out how it all works. Cause you gotta like schedule time in advance. You can't just show up or I mean, I guess you can show up, but if it's taken then you have to schedule or whatever, um, opposed to the normal policy where you just are showing up and then you have like usually an hour or usually, you know, the polite thing to do is not wait and just go find somewhere else to play. Anyways, I was talking with the employee who is the guy who schedules all of this stuff. And I was like, so how do you find people to play with? Like, or where do you, like, what can you do to not have to pay for people? Can you like have an upgraded membership where you can invite people? Or is there like a Facebook group? Is there a place where you guys host people to come together and find other people that are members to play. And he had no clue and he had no idea. And it just is a good reminder how important it is, or not important it is, but the difference between somebody who has to manage a profit and loss statement that is in operation, somebody that has to deal with a budget versus a government job where yeah I guess they do technically have a budget but it's not in the same way like if they don't make enough money they're not gonna lose the property on the park right they have a budget like how much money they get to spend in a quarter or however the government does it in a fiscal year and the difference is simple is when you have a large park in your private company you're trying to be as innovative as possible to cover the cost to grow your profit but when you're a government job, yeah, you don't really know the answers. You don't really care like how people figure it out. It's like, this is our service. This is what we're going to charge. There's no market competition and there's no threat of us losing this property. It's not like the government's going to foreclose on themselves and they're going to lose their property. So it was just a really good reminder for us or for me to share with us, you, uh, how inefficient government is and how the drivers of government versus the private sector are completely different and it's kind of a scary thing so I love the you know the libertarian thing like but about my roads and the idea is that 
If the government doesn't pay for roads, who's going to do it? Well, I guarantee you, and it's funny, Florida actually has a lot of toll roads, that it would be more efficient to just play, pay tolls or to pay a fee or to get signed up to a membership to go on tolls on private roads than whatever the system is now through taxes and going through government bureaucrats. And they have no incentive to be efficient but a private company would because they can lose their property and they can lose their business. And that is a strong driver all by itself. So I thought that was an interesting topic to think through as we're voting, as we're deciding how our local governments, how our states and how our federal government is run. The drivers are completely different. And sometimes I think because most of us are in the private sector, that we just assume that everybody has the same drivers, that they have the same motivations, but people have different motivations. People hit their bonuses, they hit get their raises for different reasons, and they keep their jobs for different reasons from the public sector and the private sector. Very interesting. So good news. Oh wait, before we even get at that, I have to tell you, we're part of the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. Go over to fightlaughfeast.com. Put in HTBT in the memo field. You'll see this mug. Finally have it and a bunch of other stuff on my desk, as you can see, because my place is a mess. I'm still not organized. I'm trying to figure out a whole bunch of different solutions, what wires I'm going to need. As you can see, I got all three monitors working. The solution was they I needed a new docking station with a VGA, a VGA cable, a DisplayPort cable, and an HDMI cable. I couldn't do two display ports or no HDMI, and I couldn't do two HDMIs and the display port. So I had to get a new docking station that had the VGA cord at hookup, uh, input, whatever you want to call it. Um, so for those of you who were offering advice and stuff, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. I love when you guys give me advice because all of you collectively know more than me. So I love to hear from you guys. If you do want to reach out to me, you can do it on the social media sites. You can also email me, Matt, at howtobuildatent.com. Social media sites, How to Build a Tent. Love to hear from you. If you prove me wrong, I might give you a shout out. Who knows? Um, just like I did yesterday with our great friend, Adam, the attorney that is a libertarian's dream. If you don't know what I'm talking about, then check out that show uh, yesterday. Also, the S&P. Another record high for the opening in July, just like they had a record high for the best June. Usually June is gloomy. Uh, that's a California saying. I don't know if any other country or any other state says June gloom, but in California, there is a big overclass, overcast weather pattern for June typically. And so it's kind of like June gloom. And then July comes and then bam, the June bugs are gone. And July, the sun's out and you go to the beach. So really good record-breaking S&P performances. The economy is in the longest expansion, setting the 11th year. Now, for those of you who remember 2008, for those of you who are financially astute, you might be thinking, oh, oh, everyone is positive or it's pretty positive. We're setting these records. It's time to sell. And that is good. You should think that way. You shouldn't be going along with the crowd and when everyone is saying like, oh, everything's great, we're setting records, it's gonna go up thousands of more points. Like that should put the warning flags up for your investments. And it may still be true in this scenario. However, again, I believe we are in uncharted waters since 2008 
with the regulations imposed upon us, with the quantitative easing, with the Fed purchases of mutual um, mortgage-backed securities. They never did that before. I believe that these changes in the economy have really reshaped uh, the cycles and the trends. And I could be wrong, but I believe this is the start of a new kind of trend. At least that's what I'm seeing so far. Before, you would have a recession or a pullback of some kind every five to six years. And maybe we're starting to see something different. Or maybe it's just there was such a buildup of the private sector being hindered through regulations, through taxation, through this healthcare shift, through what the Federal Reserve was doing under Obama that we just have tons of more room left to run before we have overextended ourselves. And that may be true. From what I've heard, the, the banks have had um, positive stress tests. The only, there was only one bank, and I don't even remember the name, it wasn't even one of the big major banks that, that failed the stress test. So they are looking to give more green lights to lending for those lenders. So there is gonna be a farther expansion of money and again, you know I'm skeptical about the trade talks, but maybe I'm wrong and maybe there will be some good that comes from the trade talks. And if so, that can be another huge expansion of the economy. And again, I think it's been that there's been so many barriers for the economy that we're just starting to break them down and there's still more to be broken down. And I think that's going to allow the economy to kind of grow full size again. It kind of reminds me of, you know, back in the old days, thousands of years ago, the Chinese, and maybe it's not so long ago, but I'm assuming it's a thousand years ago. Maybe they still do it. But they like really valued small feet. And so they would force uh, girls into these really small shoes so their feet wouldn't grow. And they would keep them having small feet. And I feel like that was kind of what was happening with the economy through regulation and taxes and the Federal Reserve poor judgment calls and now the shoe's been taken off and now there's room for the feet to grow and I think we have a lot more record-setting times to go because of that not just because hey everything is great and let's be blind and ignorant about it but I think that there was kind of just that that buildup again and it wasn't growing as like it should have the past you know decade uh, but now that we are kind of starting to let the the shackles come off. I think we might be still going to see some more record growth. So I am not selling yet. I'm still in the market. I'm still kind of uh, gung-ho about the economy and I don't have any major reasons to think otherwise. Even in the trade war, if it continues, China is getting hurt a lot more than we are. There's been a lot of data out there that have been proving the fact and I think that no matter what happens, we kind of have the upper hand on that. And in the long run, it's going to be good for us. So I'm still really positive about that. The next topic I wanted to talk about was La Croix. La Croix. Oh, I got one here. I'll show you. La Croix. And if you're not a Frenchman, you probably say La Croix, La Crox, or whatever. And they have been getting hit because they were making so much money. They were, their profits were huge because they basically were selling carbonated water. They rebranded it and they had these great flavors. And I mean, I love them. And what happened? Well, competition came in and started selling similar products for a cheaper price. And I bring this up because this is a, I told you so, or maybe not an I told you so, but an example of my point, and my point is this, is profits 
are a good thing. The bigger the profit you can make in a company, you should make it. You should feel obligated. You should feel a moral imperative to make as much of a profit as you can. You should be growing those margins as much as possible. Profits are not evil. They are the opposite evil. They are good. And if you doubt me, the only fact, the only thing you shouldn't realize or know to know that I'm right is the left is against profits. And whatever the left is against is usually a great thing. And this LaCroix story is a perfect example of it. For a good run, LaCroix was making hand over fist money. They were making large amounts of profits because they rebranded sparkling water and made it this new big thing. What happened? What happened when they were making all this profits? Well, other companies with money that are in the industry saw those large profits and said, hey, I want some of those large profits. So they started coming out with their own products to compete with LaCroix and had to force LaCroix to lower his prices, their prices. Which means for us now, instead of having a LaCroix, which is a great drink, and just having them because they didn't really make a lot of money, it wasn't really attractive for other companies to go in and we were just stuck with LaCroix. Now we have a multitude of other drinks that are just as good as LaCroix at a cheaper price than what LaCroix was selling it in the first place. So their desire to get rich, to grow their profits, brought in other companies to provide a similar value for a cheaper price, which caused LaCroix to come down. And overall, now the, not the economy, but the industry has several different flavors, several different companies at a lower price for us to enjoy as consumers. Now I'm not stuck just drinking LaCroix. I have tons of other drinks. I have Costco brand because I'm a big Costco fan and many others. And we are all better off for it. The economy is wealthier because these drinks are creating jobs. These drinks are creating more money to be given to these companies, which reinvest and create more jobs. And we have a better selection now at a cheaper price. And that is why profits are so important and such a good thing because it further stimulates the economy. It gives us as consumers more options and it gives us a more affordable product, which means that our dollar goes a farther, a longer way, a farther reach because we can buy more products with that same dollar because the prices come down. That is why it is morally, it's almost a moral obligation for us to grow our profits as much as we can. Now, I'm not saying raise your prices so much that no one wants to buy your product. I'm not saying that at all. You should find the equilibrium of what is the price that's going to make you sell the you know, the most at the highest price where you can get the max profit. There's like a whole margin formula about that that we're not going to get into because that would be super boring. I don't know off the top of my head how to make that interesting on a podcast. But profits are good. Another story that I saw that was really interesting is Walmart is starting to use VR technology to pick their middle managers. They go through scenarios. They go through games. They go through role playing using VR. And I bring that up because more and more of our future jobs, our interviews, our career paths, our training are going to be around this VR technology. So preparing yourself, going through these role-playing scenarios, even if you don't have the VR technology, but thinking through different scenarios, 
role playing with a friend before you go into interviews, it's going to become more and more of a thing that you need to be comfortable with. And the sooner you become more comfortable with it, the more of an advantage you are going to have. If you practice role playing different scenarios and people throwing out different things, or you thinking about when you come upon something at maybe a Walmart and you see an issue going down instead of just like staring and like laughing or texting your friend about it, but thinking like, how would I handle this situation as a manager? What would I do? How would I make this a win-win for the customer who's complaining and for the company as well? And if you could just train your mind and start practicing those things, you're going to have an advantage when you get this VR, virtual reality, 3D camera stuck on your face. And it doesn't even have to be the technology. Like People can just ask you role-playing questions. I've had that in an interview before where you're just in front of a board and like, so what would you do in this situation? And then they actually like reel you like, oh, why didn't you think of this? Or why didn't you do it this way? And they make you feel like you did it completely wrong. And they're trying to gauge like how much stress you can handle. It was a very intense situation. And the last story I wanted to bring up is kind of a downer. And I'm sorry to end this on the downer. It's, uh, but it's not a downer in the sense that, hey, this guy is getting some brownie points in heaven, but a Christian that worked at Ikea in Poland was told or mandated or said that, hey, we as a company are going to celebrate LGBT. And he basically said no. He posted a bunch of Bible verses against the LGBT movement on his social media site, and he got fired. And I bring that up because we are in a battle. And it's not just all going to be downhill. We're not going to just continue to have momentum, but we are going to hit speed bumps. And as we proclaim the Lordship of Jesus in every area of life, there are going to be people that proclaim the opposite, that um, don't want to hear that message, that want to reject him. And that's something we should be expecting. That's something we should be prepared for. And I just want to bring it up, not to discourage you, but to prepare yourself, to harden yourself, to prepare for what is ahead, that as you are a faithful servant, that these things can happen to you. And you know what? It's okay. He's going to be okay because our God that we serve is bigger than Ikea. And our God can assemble furniture for us. We do, you know, something that Ikea can't even do. And I bring that up also as Christians that we should make them pay and not be buying Ikea anymore. If they're going to fire Christians for taking a Christian biblical stance, then we as Christians shouldn't be paying for their products anymore. And we should be supporting companies that do. And even if that takes a little bit more time or research, a little more diligence, that is part of the way that we can fight the battles, that we can use our success and the money that we make to make a difference. So we can vote with our dollars. It's a very important point that I really hope that you guys take to heart and are serious about. We really are in a battle. And if you're not on our side attacking the enemy, then you're in the way and you're part of the problem. So get in the fight, figure out what God wants you to do, and be obedient to his calling, and be successful because you are going to have more influence. You are going to be able to do more effective things for Christ. He's going to be able to use you in greater ways as you continue to be obedient to his calling and be obedient to the talents he's given you. He'll give you more and he'll be able to use you more because that's just how the system works and that's how he's made it to work. Now, with that, let's go out and be successful together. Talk.